Baltimore Ravens picked up a 27-24 win over the Cincinnati Bengals, and we talk about why that made the AFC North Baltimore's to lose. We talk about that and so much more coming up next year on this episode of Locked on Ravens. You are Locked on Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another episode of Locked on Ravens. We're your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Ostroker of Ravens Wire, here with you on the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every single day. Thank you so much for being here, making us your first listen each and every day on Locked on Ravens, free and available, all podcasting platforms, as always, including over in video form on YouTube, where you can see my face and my background, and we got the live fish going in the background as well. Today's episode of Locked on Ravens is brought to you by LinkedIn. And LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Go your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash LockdownNFL. LinkedIn.com slash LockdownNFL. Of course, your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. And we're back after the Ravens pick up a massive, monumental, really, 27-24 to win over the Bengals. And we're going to talk about that here today throughout the rest of the week. We are a five-day-a-week Ravens podcast. So any Ravens news, analysis, updates, we have it here for you. We're actually, you know, during the season, we're more than five days a week because we do live stream every Sunday after the Ravens play. So we, we do live reactions to the games. And then obviously throughout the week, we talk about it even more. So you can subscribe on YouTube, subscribe on audio form, subscribe on subtext too for more exclusive text content from me, one-on-one conversations and other Locked on Ravens, you know, Ravens analysis and news to your phone through text. So it's been a really cool way to build up the community a little bit and get to know some of the listeners and the watchers. So that's been awesome. So be sure to subscribe on there if you ever so want to. But we're going to be talking AFC North today. The Ravens and Bengals played yesterday. The Steelers and Browns play tonight. So we're not going to have a full grip on what the early AFC North picture is until after that Monday night game between Cleveland and Pittsburgh. But I do think the win that the Ravens picked up yesterday does so much for them in so many different ways. And I want to talk about that over the course of the show today, and especially in the first segment, diving into why I think now the AFC North is the Ravens to lose. And this game in particular has a huge, it's so bearing as why as to why I think that's the case. So we'll talk about that in the first part of the show. Then we'll get into more of a recap of the Ravens and Bengals game. We'll talk about how the Ravens won, what the Ravens did right, what the Ravens did wrong, players who stepped up and more. Then we'll get into some injury updates from players who got hurt in the Bengals game. We'll also kind of do a little bit of a 180 and talk about the Texans injuries as well and just when those guys could come back and reinforcements that could be on the way for Baltimore soon. So a lot to dive into today. Let's first start off with the AFC North. This was a game in so many ways that we might be looking back on this in December or January and thinking that, yeah, you know what? Out, out of all the games the Ravens played, this game was the most important for multiple different reasons. One, you can just talk about seeding and the way that the AFC is going to be this year. going to be really tough, and I know I, I think the stat is the Ravens and the Dolphins are the two AFC teams right now. They're undefeated. Cleveland can join both Baltimore and Miami if they beat Pittsburgh tonight. But there are a bunch of one-on-one teams, some surprising 0-2 teams. I think Cincinnati kind of heads up that list. But I think I saw a stat that Zach Taylor is either 1-7 and or 1-9 and in weeks 1-2 and over the course of his Bengals coaching career, which is just abysmal, by the way. But 
it seems like the AFC maybe isn't quite the powerhouse early on. Again, this is very early. It's it's too early to make pure judgments so far. But in seeding, especially this year in an AFC, that's expected at least to get better than it is right now. Every game counts. And in, in my hierarchy of games in terms of which is the most important to least important, most important AFC divisional games. This was a huge game for the Ravens. You want to win these games. It adds a divisional win to your record. It adds an AFC win to your record, a conference win. Then comes the AFC wins, just the conference wins. It's a plain conference win. It's still a win to your record, win to the conference. That That's great. Then the NFC wins are the least important because it's not, if you lose, it's not a blemish to your conference record, not a blemish to your division record, just a blemish in the lost common. Sure, you want to win our games, right? But that's just what it is. So for me, when talking about that aspect of things, the Ravens have to play their first three divisional games on the road. It was this game, then week four and week five, Cleveland and Pittsburgh, they're both going to have to be on the road as well. Baltimore is done with their AFC North road games after week five. It's huge they already picked up one. And as I was kind of saying throughout the offseason, once the Ravens' schedule was released, if they could come out of the stretch against the AFC North teams in the first five weeks of the season, two and one, right? Three and three and oh would obviously be great. But if they could go out of that two and one, it'd be pretty good. I was expecting that loss to come to the Browns, I think I said. Maybe it was Pittsburgh. I, I think I have the Ravens splitting with both those teams this year. I can't remember what I said. But the fact that the Ravens could now come out of this potentially 3-0 and if everything goes right for them is great. You pick up a huge win on the road against Cincinnati, a game that no one expected you to win if you're the Ravens, or at least not a lot of people. I ended up picking them. I picked the Bengals on Thursday before I did all my final, final research. And after I completed everything, I, I flipped over to the Ravens because I, I had a feeling so, I mean, I, I ended up believing a lot of other people ended up believing too, but the majority did pick the Bengals. You know, it was a game where the Ravens didn't have Marcus Williams or Marlon Humphrey or J.K. Dobbins or, or a guy like Ronnie Stanley, a Tyler Linderbaum on your offensive line. That's huge for them to be able to do that and gives me confidence that they could maybe end that stretch of AFC North Road games 3-0. Now, we're only two weeks in. There's a lot the Ravens can fix up, and I totally get that. But not only that, the way that this works for the Bengals and the Ravens, because I think the two teams that are competing for the division of the Bengals and the Ravens, we'll see what Cleveland does. We'll see what Pittsburgh does. But in terms of strength of schedule, based off of the Vegas forecast, the win totals before the season started, you know, I pulled this off of sharp football analytics here. The Ravens, had, it was right, a middling strength of schedule, 17th hardest strength of schedule the Bengals had the 21st well actually no 17th easiest strength of schedule for the Ravens the Bengals had the 21st easiest so with the Bengals they're going to have games now looking ahead the Bengals are going to have games against the Rams the Titans and the Cardinals over the next three games those should be get right games for the Bengals if they're not something is wrong but we don't know what the status of Joe Burrow is right now we don't know if the calf injury is going to be something that's going to hold him out for a while. Definitely seemed like it was hindering him yesterday against the Ravens. So maybe the Bengals decide to hold him out and they drop a game or two there and it just it lowers the divisional record. Now, 2-0 and is, you know, at this point in the season, great for the Ravens to be at. 0-2 for the Bengals is not impossible for them to climb out of that hole. But the Bengals also have games against San Francisco, against Buffalo, another game against Baltimore, Pittsburgh, Jacksonville, Minnesota, Pittsburgh again, Kansas City, Cleveland again. Those are a lot of hard teams there. Now, Baltimore also has their fair share of hard teams. Don't get me wrong. They also have the San Francisco's and the Jacksonville's, et cetera, et cetera. 
But for what the Ravens have left, I mean, the Bengals are one of the games that a lot of people had circled and saying, yeah, you know what? This could be a game that the Ravens end up losing and it would be okay. But the Ravens go into Cincinnati, they pick up a win. And to me, it's super important that they had won this game. And it's so big that they did because now I think it gives the Ravens a grip on the AFC North, an early grip. An early grip is different than a late season grip. Obviously, it's much easier to lose an early grip on the division. We're only two weeks in, as the more Jackson said, doesn't really mean anything yet, right? They say there's still 15 weeks to go and a lot can change. But for now, for the first two weeks of the season, I think it's the Ravens division to lose. And does that mean the Ravens are going to win the division? No. I mean, you have, to, you have to go through the next 15 weeks. I'm not all of a sudden saying, well, there's no way the Ravens lose the division now. I'm just saying that they're in a much better position at this point right now as I think a lot of people projected them to be. I think most people projected them to be the Texans, right? But then the Bengals game was kind of the the flip game where you're saying, well, you know what? The Ravens could be in a really good position, 2-0 versus 0-2, or it could be 1-1, and there, there's less leeway for the Ravens to make a mistake, let's say, or for less leeway even for the Bengals to make a mistake. But now there's even less leeway for the Bengals to make mistakes and not only that, the Bengals offense just did not look good and has not looked good for two straight weeks. There are a lot of schematic issues with the Bengals offense. There's execution issues as well. Penalties killed them. And obviously penalties are the Ravens a little bit. We'll get to those. But it just feels like the Bengals aren't where they need to be. And it feels a little different from last year when they started 0-2 and then they climbed out of that hole with really strong play. It seems like it's going to take a little bit more this season for Cincinnati to do that. And I think that favors the Ravens, who, again, huge stress to start their season. We talked about how important the stretch was for months on Locked On Ravens, and they're off to a really strong start. So if the Ravens continue to mesh their offensive group together and gel there as the defense ultimately continues their momentum from what they're able to do, the first half of Cincinnati was a little better than the second half. But there are a lot of positives, and I think at this point, early on, early on, the AFC North is the Ravens to lose. We're coming up in the second part of the show. We'll get into more of a recap of the Ravens and Bengals game, talking about what happened, stats, key players, and more. So be sure to stay tuned. Plenty to talk about on Lockdown Ravens. But first, this episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. And these days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. And I've had a lot of positive experience over on LinkedIn, whether it's been looking for jobs myself or sending jobs over to my friends. LinkedIn is super easy to use, and it's really easy to create a free job post over on LinkedIn Jobs. All you have to do is add your job to the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. They have simple tools you can use, like screening questions, make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience. So you can clearly prioritize who would like to interview and who would like to hire. And it's really important to both start and end the year strong, and the right team member could help you do that. It's why small businesses are right leading jobs number one delivering quality hires we're seeing competitors. I mean, jobs as you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster, push your job for free. LinkedIn.com slash lockdown NFL. LinkedIn.com slash lockdown NFL to push your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. And this episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. And if you're looking for daily fantasy sports, look no further than Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the most fun that so many have had, winning up to 25 times their money this football season. All you have to do is select two or more players, pick more or less on their projected stats in place your entry price picks is super simple to play too you can make your picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds and whether you pick saquon barkley to go for more than his rushing yard total there may be justin jefferson if you picked him to go for more than his yard total maybe odo beckham you picked him to go for more than his total yards lamar jackson more than his total yards too price picks offer so much and also weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts like taco tuesday which means each tuesday price picks discounts like player projections up to 25 percent 
to provide even more value. Go to pricepicks.com slash LockedOnNFL and use code LockedOnNFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, go to pricepicks.com slash LockedOnNFL and use code LockedOnNFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Price picks, daily fantasy sports meetings. We're back here, our second part of Locked On Ravens here on Monday. Kevin Osberger still here with you after the Ravens pull off a great, monumental and massive 27 to 24 win over the Cincinnati Bengals in a game that I feel like the Ravens had a lot of control over in the first half. Some of it slipped away in the second, but Baltimore was still able to get the job done. And we actually, we did a live stream over on the Lockdown Ravens YouTube channel. You can subscribe and turn notifications on for that. Also, you can subscribe in audio form because I put it out in audio form after the fact. So you're not missing anything. If you're an audio listener or a video watcher, I appreciate everybody all the same, whether you're an audio listener or a video watcher, but you can check out a more, I'd say in-depth, because we, we recap for three straight segments, whereas this one we're only going to do the second segment. It's more of a quick recap. But Baltimore started off this game. It was, it was very consistent for them. They ended up, so it was 7-6-7-7 seven, seven, seven for the Ravens in terms of points per each quarter, which, again, you want the consistency overall, and I think we saw a lot more consistency from the offense as this game went on, because for me, the Texans game was more of, oh, the offense is really struggling to mesh. And, it's, you know, the first half was seven to six Ravens after two. This game, the Ravens end up being up 13 to 10 at the half. But it's just it felt better. Lamar Jackson finished 24, 33 for 237 and two touchdowns. Also was really great on the ground. Led the Ravens in terms of rush yards, 12 for 54 from him. And was just making Bengals defenders miss everywhere. The Bengals must have been so frustrated. I can imagine like being a Bengals defender after that game. We saw Lamar just constantly, constantly, constantly juke out Bengals defenders and make something out of nothing. A Bengals defender would have him in the backfield for a sack. He'd escape that and shovel. He shoveled it off to Justice Hill on one play, which was Lamar Jackson, Houdini, Cincinnati magic. He was making stuff happen. And on a crucial third down late in the game, he did that as well. The Bengals had everything covered. And that's the frustration of defending Lamar Jackson. You can do everything right, everything perfectly. And Lamar can still carve you up and go for five, go for 10, go for 20. He's that good and that dynamic of a player. And I think we saw that on full display from him. I think he was smart with the football for the most part. Now he's, he's a little loosey goosey, <laughs> he's a little loosey goosey with that ball. I would like to see a little more ball security on, um, on some plays from him, but I, I guess you pick and choose. I'm sure he'll get that cleaned up. I know he was frustrated after the Texans game with a couple of, with the fumbles and the turnovers and stuff, but I think he'll get that cleaned up as the season ends up going on. Rushing-wise, Gus Edwards had 10 carries for 62 yards, and a touchdown comes out to 6.2 yards per carry. Justice Hill, 11 for 41. Devin Duvernay, 3 for 15. Zay Flowers, 1 for 6. So Baltimore opts for the two-running back approach. Melvin Gordon was activated from the practice squad, but did not get any carries in this one. It was Gus with 10. and just I mean, Justice Hill had more carries than Gus Edwards, but Gus Edwards was far more productive, and Gus is just consistent. I mean, he's a career 5.0-plus yards per carry, average guy, north-south runner who's added to his game each and every season. The Gus bus has been rolling for a while in Baltimore, and I'm, I'm really happy he he's beginning to pick up some steam here. Receiving-wise, we see Odo Beckham Jr. go down with an ankle injury. We'll get to that more in the final part of the show. But in that, Nelson Aguilar steps up with five receptions for 63 yards and a touchdown. And it's just, it felt different because last year, I think everybody knew what it was. And I've talked about this so many times. If you're in every day, you've heard me say this a million times. I think I even said it yesterday on the live stream. But with the Ravens last year, we knew if Rashad Bateman went down, 
it was over. There, there was there was nothing the Ravens could do. Rashad Bateman was the Ravens wide receiver room. Not only did Bateman go down, we all know Devin Duvernay went down. It was, it was pure chaos and pure disaster. Odell goes down in this game and just feels so much better about depth with Rashad Bateman, with Zay Flowers, with Nelson Aguilar, with Devin Duvernay. They had so many guys who you could put in and say, you know what? I feel pretty confident in what they have right now. Aguilar made a bunch of really nice catches. Great tracking on the touchdown. Great throw from Lamar, too. Lamar made a lot of really nice throws and just felt really calm and collected in the pocket as a whole. Zay Flowers, 4 for 62, including a bomb 52-yard shot from Lamar where the throw was perfect. Zay kind of jumps up. I think it like hit him in the face, and the Bengals defender smacked him in the face or something. But he comes down with the ball, was a huge gain. Got up and started, did a spin move like Jacoby Jones in the Super Bowl against the 49ers, but he, he was touched. So it, all that didn't count. Mark Andrews came back five for 45 and a touchdown for him. So good to see Mark back on the field. Odell three for 29, Rashad Bateman three for 18. Justice Hill three for 12, Isaiah likely one for eight receiving wise. Defensively, Geno Stone stepped up to the plate yesterday, 1,000%. Nine total tackles for Geno Stone, also with an interception. Should have had six. He could have cut back inside. I think he got he got a little too happy feet with it and didn't really know what to do. I don't know what it was. I'm, I'm actually curious to hear about what he has to say about it. But he ended up going out of bounds where I think it was only Joe Burrow, maybe one Bengals defender a little further down the field, and he went out of bounds instead of cutting it inside. But regardless, I mean, Gino played a great game. He had 14-point swing there. The Bengals are driving, picking up momentum in the red zone. And Geno Stone just comes and takes away all of it. And I think the next play was actually that 52-yard pass to Zay Flowers. So massive play from Geno Stone. Patrick Queen, eight total tackles. Roquan Smith had five. Or Darius Washington had five. JP and Clowney, if you listen to the crossover, you heard me say, you know, we, we always do the player who makes the biggest impact. It's always Lamar. It's always going to be Lamar. But I don't like saying Lamar because I want to give a different – like I want to give a different player that's not Lamar – I said Jadavian Clowney, and everybody looked at me like I was crazy. <laughs> Look what happened. He actually played, he played a really nice game. And the Ravens only sack, a couple really nice run stops for him. Other guys with four tackles, Travis Jones, Kyle Hamilton, and Brandon Stevens. Quick team stats here. The Ravens ended up holding the ball for about six or seven minutes more than the Bengals did. 33-04 for the Ravens, 26-56 for the Bengals. The Ravens ended up having seven more first downs than the Bengals. Both teams did pretty well on third down. The Ravens 9 for 14, the Bengals 10 of 15. But the difference in this game is the Ravens ran 13 more plays, had one more yard per attempt compared to what Cincinnati had, 5.9 compared to 4.9. The Ravens ran the ball a lot more than the Bengals did, but they gained just about the same total yards on the ground yards per rush 4.8 for the Ravens 4.4 for the Bengals six penalties for 56 yards for the Ravens which is so much better than their 13 penalty debacle in week one five for 30 for the Bengals although I will say there were some weird penalties both ways for both teams I think both teams have a right to complain about the refs but it, it was both ways it wasn't like they necessarily favored one or the other although in some cases maybe they did but the Ravens go three for four in the red zone. The Bengals two of four. So overall, a huge, massive win for the Ravens. But again, there were some injuries. We'll talk about those injuries and what the Ravens could be looking at in terms of recovery times for those guys. 
and also when their other injured players could come back. So be sure to stay tuned. A lot to get to on Lockdown Ravens. But first, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is super easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So if you bet State Flowers overs, I think that was a pretty safe bet over on FanDuel. You might have won yourself a little bit of money with that. So be sure to visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel push a partner of the NFL. We return here to our final segment of Locked On Ravens, a victory Monday edition. Kevin Allstriker still here with you talking that 27 to 24 Ravens victory. Thank you so much for being here and making Locked On Ravens your first listen each and every day. You can subscribe for free, video form, in audio form. You can also subscribe over on subtext for text updates. That's been a really cool part of everything. I want to keep mentioning it as we're kicking it off. We just kicked it off a couple weeks ago. It's really fun to engage with everybody on there and then send updates, personalized messages, and just get a feel for what everybody's feeling about the team. So for exclusive content and more, be sure to check out subtext over there. But let's continue talking, Ravens. Let's continue talking about this game and what happened during it. And I think a big part of it was injuries. Now, not as big, thanks to the injury gods, that it was not as big as week one, but the Ravens did unfortunately not escape the game totally unscathed, as I've mentioned throughout the show a little bit. Odo Beckham Jr. ended up leaving the game pretty early on with what was classified as an ankle injury, and you can kind of see where it happened. Lamar and Odell connected for a pass, and Odell was making some stuff happen after the catch, and I think cut outside or maybe, yeah, no, he cut outside instead of just taking it inside and he, the ankle kind of, I think flexed on him a little bit. And you could see after the play, he, he was frustrated. He got up and he, you know, he went over high five Lamar and was seemingly frustrated with himself. And at that point, something, you know, you're like, why are you frustrated? I, at first I thought it was because he didn't cut it inside. Cause I thought there was more room for him to cut back inside and then take it. But I think he cut back out and the, the ankle just did something weird on him. I think the Ravens kept him out more as a precautionary thing, more than anything. Now, if this was the Ravens of old, if this was the 2022 Ravens, maybe you got to keep him in because you just don't have a lot of other proven options on that roster. But this is the difference. This is why you build up this depth. And honestly, the reason the Ravens won yesterday against the Bengals was because of their depth. Guys stepping in for injured players. Nelson Aguilar stepping up for Odell Beckham Jr. And obviously Zay Flowers in that conversation too. I don't, I don't want to disrespect Zay or anything like that. But Geno's still stepping in for Marcus Williams. And I didn't even talk about, first of all, should have mentioned this probably in the first segment. Shout out to the offensive line. A huge major shout out to the way that the offensive line performed. Everybody, I mean, look, me, I was pretty skeptic about, you know what? A lot of this concerns me with the way that the Ravens offensive line, one, played in week one against the Texans. But two, you're missing Tyre Linderbaum, who was your best offensive lineman in week one. Ronnie Stanley, who is an all pro player. You know, we, we can argue about, Oh, well, where is he today compared to where he was, but he's still really good regardless of the game he had last week, which was not wonderful. You're bringing in Patrick McCary to play left tackle, Sam Mustafer off the practice squad to play center. And both those guys showed up. Jonah Schaefer, the Baltimore banner put out a really good staff from next gen stats saying that Trey Hendrickson, who was really good, who was lined up against Patrick McCary registered, I think one pressure, maybe even no pressures. One of the two, Trey Henderson was pretty much rendered useless on the day. DJ Reader, who's been dominant over the course of his career, both in Houston and in Cincinnati, he's been a he's been a absolute terror for offensive offensive line in the block. 
Sam Mustafer did a really good job. Now, the Ravens did put some protections over to help Sam Mustafer, some double teams and just chips and, and all that stuff. But, again, it's the scheme that worked. And Lamar Jackson, for the most part, did have pretty ample time to throw. Now, it wasn't every single play. There were some plays where the Bengals got pressure. The Bengals got to Lamar. But compared to what me and maybe a lot of other people thought, the offensive line did so well. And I was very impressed. I think, actually, according to Mesh Gen Stats, this game against Cincinnati was the lowest pressure rate Lamar Jackson's had in his entire career. I think it was 9.1%, if I'm not mistaken, which is, you know, everything combined is so impressive. So, again, McCarry and Mustafer stepping in for Linderbaum and Stanley. The Ravens don't win this game without quality depth. And as I talked about all offseason, you could go at most positions and say, oh, yeah, there are three or four guys you could probably trust. Not all, but most positions you could say that. Cornerback-wise, I mean, look, we got to give credit to the fact that without Marlon Humphrey, without Marcus Williams, the secondary held Jamar Chase to five receptions for 31 yards. Joe Burrow had 35 passing yards at halftime. He was on pace for less than week one where he had 82. Now, didn't end up finishing the game that way. I think the Bengals' offense did click a little bit. Joe Mixon got involved, and T. Higgins torched the Ravens, too, in the second half. But, look, the, the Ravens did enough to get a win here and pretty much stifled Joe Burrow in the first half of this game, Mike McDonald continues to be Joe Burrow, the Bengals kryptonite. The, the Bengals offense has not really had a great game against the Ravens in the Mike McDonald era. You know, I think that they've had yet to figure it out. And it's weird because I saw a lot of Bengals people, you know, on social media and stuff saying, well, look, the Bengals built their defense for the Mar Jackson. They can't stop them. Well, I think the Ravens built their defense a little bit for Joe Burrow and the Bengals, and they can. I think it's working. I think the scheme is working. They're, they're making Joe Burrow uncomfortable. He resorts to checkdowns, and the Ravens will say, we'll give you the checkdowns because we have sideline to sideline linebackers and physical players and fast players. The Ravens will say, are saying, give that to us all day. <laughs> like We'll do that 100%. It's better than Jamar having the ball, Tegan's having the ball. They, they can pick up you know all those little chunk plays on slants and on checkdowns, and it'll be fine for them. But the other injury that ended up having, well, back to Odell first before we get into the other one. John Harbaugh said that Odell's injury, he doesn't expect it to be serious. He ended up not playing the rest of the game. Obviously, we'll get more updates today as, as I'm you know, recording this late on Sunday. So we'll figure out what the Odell situation is. The other one was Adafi Owe. We kind of saw Tavius Robinson getting some run. And I was, I was wondering where Owe was. I'm like, they're playing Tavius Robinson a lot in this game. He was dropping back into coverage and... I don't think the Ravens ever officially made an announcement on always injury, but apparently he got injured and John Harbaugh said he also believes that one isn't serious as well. So we will see with those two, but other guys who could be coming back, maybe the Ravens get back Marlon Humphrey in week three against the Colts. We know Anthony Richardson, we're looking at maybe a concussion protocol for him. Again, I don't know the full extent of it right now as I'm recording, but we'll probably get more updates on that on Monday. Maybe Tyler Linderbaum and Ronnie Stanley can come back. I wouldn't you know i wouldn't bet everything on it but it, it's possible marcus williams i'd still expect uh still expect him to i don't i might honestly expect a thing uh, an announcement from john harbaugh today on that maybe martin williams made his decision and, and harbaugh's going to announce that whether he opted for surgery or to take a natural rehab process i don't know but i would expect marcus williams to be out for a little longer than the rest i'd expect him to be the last guy back out of everybody but we will see Ravens pick up a massive 27-24 win over the Bengals, and they move to 2-0 on the young 2023 season. I appreciate everybody for tuning in here to Locked on Ravens. You can subscribe, follow on audio form, video form. You can go over on Subtext as well. 
We're everywhere and coming up tomorrow. More Ravens content continuing to break down this Ravens and Bengals games. I'm just stay tuned with us. See you right back here tomorrow on Lockdown Ravens.